0: Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit salemheightschurch.org.
1: Morning, church. That's my life. Yeah, Pete Pete and I are just sitting up here wondering. uh, I don't think that we settled who's going to actually kick this off, (laughs) but uh, aren't you glad to be at church this morning? Yeah. so thankful every week for our worship, and I know I bring that up, but uh, what an awesome thing to be able to lift up uh, praises to God together and be able to hear that from everybody else. It's, a, uh, it's an awesome thing. Absolutely. So, uh, Pete and I are up here this morning because uh, we're gonna be back in our series, Ancient Wells New Season.
0: Yeah, and over the last couple of years, we have been kind of sensing the Lord doing something in our church that we've been presenting to our church family. Um, and little installments because our heart's desire has been along the way that we as a church family would verify, is this what God is actually calling us to do? And inevitably, it's possible for someone on a Sunday like this, when we're gonna be kind of speaking to our church family, those who call Salem Heights Church their home, that we'd have a guest in the room who's who's seeking a a church community to possibly join, to, to wanna worship and be ministered to by the word. And so we're glad that you're here if you're a guest Um, And this might feel a little bit like a a Sunday that doesn't seem to be geared towards you, but we're excited that you're here, that you can kind of hear what God has been doing. And we do want this morning to kind of of do a little bit of a recap of where God has led us over the last couple of years.
1: Um, We have a video that's going to help us uh, set this up at the beginning. But one of the things that we've been talking about as we prepare not only... um, Pete had you pull out your phones and uh, I think at least two of you did, right, (laughs) to sign up. We really do want this to be different than a typical campaign um, in a couple of ways. We want to put on display what it is that God is moving in our hearts to do, but we do not want to put pressure on folks. We're asking you to just respond to whatever the Spirit of God is laying on your heart But we are saying that every step along the way, we need to give God glory and gather together as a church, seek his face and pray that he would make it evident what direction we should go so we can make the greatest, uh, we can be the greatest benefit to this generation. That he can use us as he's designed us to use us. Um, He desires to work through us. Last week, Pete uh, did a great job uh, setting up some principles on generosity And we felt like they were uh, really accurately summarized in a video uh, by our friends from the Bible Project. So we wanted you to watch this.
2: Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host, and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture. But it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too but surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over, it's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience His generosity, and so He chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that is not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance. And they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it is all theirs and like there is not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously, doesn't mean life is going to go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends, and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the apostle Paul put it, You know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And Our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host just like Jesus did. Yeah, and When you believe there is enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host.
0: So over the last almost two years now, we have been talking about what God is calling us to do as a church family. What we wanted to do this morning is just kind of highlight some of the principles that have come out of a few of those messages along the way that have really helped shape our thinking as a leadership team. And we believe it's shaping the thinking of our church as we enter into a season where God is calling us to do something uh, that will not only meet the needs within our church, but continue to be a place that meets the needs within the community. Most importantly, their need for Jesus Christ as their savior. And so back in January of 2022, uh, we had a message called be something before we build something. Uh, Pastor Justin, you preached that message, kind of share a little bit about what we were trying to uh, kind of set up with that initial sermon.
1: Yeah, and it started a little bit like this morning. Uh, This is a a bit of a family chat, right? So we're just gonna review with you where we've been this last two years. That message for me was one where uh, we'd been praying about some stuff behind the scenes, but that was the first time that we had laid out for our church. Uh, where we felt like uh, the Lord was taking us. And that idea, be something before you build something, uh, came out of uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, one through seven. In there, there's three different pictures that the Apostle Paul gives to a young man that's in ministry. Uh, He talks about uh, being a good soldier that doesn't get entangled in the affairs of everyday life, but he puts his eyes uh, on his master. He's making sure that he's pleasing the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Uh, and then an honest athlete. You have the opportunity to cut corners or to find some way to cheat so that you can get a prize. But instead of doing that, he says he he runs in a way that is worthy. I'm doing whatever I can uh, to forsake those things that are gonna get in the way and run the race that's in front of me. And the third one was of a faithful farmer. Uh, Not only uh, able to see fruit come, a harvest come out of his field, uh, but to enjoy some of that fruit along the way. And so those three pictures um, led us to come up with some observations, the central point being, be something before you build something. There, there is a, an idea out there uh, that in some places uh, we've kind of captured from Hollywood. Uh, I would call it the, the Kevin Costner method of church growth, okay? Uh, and that is if we build a bigger place, they will come. If we build it, they will come, right? Uh, Except it's not a cornfield, it's actually just to build uh, a bigger box and maybe we'll fill that up. Um, The opposite of that, I think, is a biblical model, which is be something before you build something. And the idea there is that you already are a family. So it's great uh, if you're a young couple and you have the vision someday uh, of filling a house full of children and having friends and family over and all these things. But if you go out right away and buy a McMansion you're going to be spending all your time worrying about whether or not you have enough to even trim the hedges and take care of the basic building before you even have kids. And the burden can become so massive that you're no longer enjoying what it is that you could become as a family. You're trying to maintain something that was a dream that was never yours to have in the first place. We need to be a family first. What God has allowed to happen here at Salem Heights is uh, we are seeing people share their faith, become energized about who it is that they become in Jesus Christ. They're experiencing transformation and it radiates, doesn't it? When you see a life that is transformed, you begin to say, man, I want what that person has. When you see somebody sharing their faith and it's coming out of a genuine place, not, not salesmanship, but a genuine walk with the living God that's transformed them and you say, man, I want that in my life. When you are uh, a full follower of Jesus Christ, there's an attraction that happens there. And then the question is, where are we going to put all these folks that are responding to the message? Just like if you're a couple and you're still in that little apartment, you're saying, all right, Lord, it might be time for us to find a place uh, because the closet is not a great place to stack three children, okay? (laughs) But first, you are that family. You lovingly decide how are we going to house what it is that God's already blessed us with. In that message, um, we highlighted faithful ministers and ministries must live up to what they've been given. And faithful ministries have a plan for growth and succession. And part of that plan for us was three gifts. Um, To be able to have counseling near other churches, to be near other people um, inside our valley. So in our valley, there is a, um, a real concern for mental health. And one church can't meet all that need, amen? We can't. And so our desire was to be able to train other places so that that folks in the valley would be able to find help with their mental health crisis near them for free. Uh, Secondly, to have a real answer for addiction. Uh, We live in a society that is filled with addiction. There are all kinds of movements that are beginning to come out of, uh, you even see those that are uh, far away from God saying we've got to do something about this. And they're starting movements like Sober Curious, Well, God's way ahead of you there, okay? There is an answer that can help you not only be free from addiction, but satisfied in the life. The things you are running from can be settled in Jesus Christ. And then finally, to be able to be a ministry that would be a Barnabas ministry, to encourage other churches. Do you know that in our valley, we are not the only place where God is at work? I don't know if some of that was an argument or if some of that was an amen, but this is not the only place God is at work. Amen? Amen. He's at work, and there are some places where God is at work, but some of their leadership is tired or they're overwhelmed, and we want to be a Barnabas church where we come alongside good partners in ministry and be able to say, hey, how can we give you uh, extra wind in your sails? How can we come and participate with you or champion what God is doing? That's where that message started.
0: And so we started out with this, this desire to kind of explain the, the why before the what. Why would we do something? Yeah. And why would we wanna be that? And so we had a message a little later on that I was able to deliver to our folks on maturing faith because one of the thoughts was, well, why are we focused so much on what's going on outside our community? What about the growing needs inside of our church? And so uh, back in May of 2022, we, we preached a message out of Romans chapter 11 That said, this maturing faith is fueled by awe and fortified through service. Yes, we want to make disciples. We want to present everyone mature, spiritually mature in Christ. That is our mission statement as a church. But one of the things we believe is the capstone or the evidence that people in our care are maturing in their faith and walk with the Lord is that they're actually growing in their awe of God and then that awe of God is leading them to serve those who God puts in front of them. And we believe God has given us, he's called us to this, this opportunity to not meet every need in our city, but to meet specific needs that he keeps continuing to put people in front of us who are looking for help. And so we talked about how uh, the awe of God will inspire sacrifice. And in that passage, it says, in view of God's mercies, if we just take a look at what God has done, we even sing a song now, what he's done. When we think about what he has done, it moves us. It grows our awe of God, and what do we wanna do is when we we sing a song like gratitude, is that when we're moved by God's mercies, it leads us to sacrifice. God, whatever you need, whatever you want, it's all yours. I wanna live for you because everything is from you and through you and to you. And so an awe of God will inspire sacrifice, but as we begin to obey him and what he calls us to do, that life of sacrifice will expand our awe. And we believe this. One of the things we've said for many years is that the capstone of discipleship or the evidence of a maturing faith is to see our people go out and actually go outside the four walls of this local church and begin to serve both here locally, but also around the world. And one of the things that we believe has led to uh, the growth we've seen in our church over the last decade, 15 years, is completely tied to the moment when we said as a church, we're not gonna be just a church that knows God's word, we're gonna live it out and we became more missional. And so we want to make disciples first, but those disciples are called to be the hands and feet of our Lord, both here locally and around the world. And when we do that, when we obey Him and we join in the work that God is doing, it fortifies our faith. When we start to waver, when enemies start to throw those spiritual darts at us, trying to get us to question God's goodness, question His provision, is it enough? When that scarcity mindset tries to come in and start to mess with us, our faith is fortified in the fact that look at what he's done. Look what he continues to do and we can trust him. And so we said a maturing faith is fueled by awe and fortified through service.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, first of all, that was a really great message. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, it was one Pete preached. It was, uh, (laughs) it was so good. And I was just thinking about the continuing part of that analogy there. When we talk about a family, Uh, I don't know how many young families that we have here or how many mature families where you already have your kids out of the house, but there's a progression that happens in a family. Uh, You start with this idea, man, wouldn't it be awesome? And in your mind's eye, as a young couple, you're thinking, it's going to be awesome someday. We're going to have this big family and we're going to be able to participate. And you're thinking of family events, Christmas, Thanksgiving, or times where everybody's around the table and you're so excited about having a family. Uh, And then... You have a three-month-old, right? Just kind of let that uh, enter back into your soul if you remember that place. So your excitement, your awe of what it is that that could happen all of a sudden is hit with reality uh, and you begin to have to, to make some decisions. Will I invest in actual sacrificial living for this child or the next one or the next one? Uh, And and it becomes a sacrifice. But then as they begin leaving the home, we we see this this movement that happens. I start with this great idea, then there's this test that happens, but that welds us together as a family. And now we love being together. Why? Because all this sacrifice and story and everything has created this joyous occasion where we can rest in each other. And and that reciprocation you see in there, the awe of God will inspire sacrifice because you want to be like him. Um, but then that sacrifice increases your awe of God because you see what he is doing. Uh, th- that analogy builds out in our everyday practical experience. What you have worked hard for, uh, what you have sacrificed for, you begin to appreciate in a new way uh, as you see it mature. And it's that way in families. It's that way in our faith.
0: And so there's a growing sense among our church to, to get involved, to join in on what God's doing. We're not having to ask People are coming to us from, from within our congregation saying, we see this need, can we participate? What, what is he calling us to do? We sense that God has, has given us so much and we want yeah. to use that for his glory. And so you preached another message that kind of talked about that ache that we're feeling like, we want to get involved, what do we do with that ache?
1: Yeah. And so we're highlighting some messages that were the beginning of the trail. This is two years ago that we've been talking about these things and saying, Lord, would you build something in our folks? Some of you, uh, many of you maybe were not here at that time. And so we're just kind of updating you on some of these thoughts that had um, preceded our uh, Ancient Wells New Season campaign. Um, But on June 12th, we had this main idea uh, out of First Thessalonians 1 and 2 that there's an ache in the human heart to live a life of deep meaning that leaves a trail. Uh, there is an ache in, in every single individual that is here. You want your life uh, to leave some kind of mark that is useful. You want the people around you to be able to uh, say that this is what it was that God did through them in my life or how he blessed the world around because of God's activity in that individual. We ache to have significance and godly significance, not just pride, but we actually ache to have a godly significance to know that we've done what God would have us do. And God's heart is that you would know and embrace your assignment. He's actually put you here. The moment you got saved, you had a realization. You were placed in this body and you are just as integral to what is going on in the church as anybody on the stage at any time. Every single one of us has a role that we are called by God to fulfill and to enjoy as we fulfill that, amen? Amen. Every single one of us. And we need to know that place, and his desire is that you would know not only what it is uh, that would best put him on display in your life, um, but that you would be successful at that, that you'd give him glory as you follow through. We had, uh, with those three gifts to the city, Um, an idea that this would be able to expand also the ways that people could put God on display, that they could join us um, more than just on a Sunday morning in different activities. And we were desiring for there to be um, uh, an outpouring of people that would join us in counseling, uh, that would join us in most excellent way, or would join us in ministering to other churches. And you had some statistics there. Do you have those? I I should ask you first. I do, yeah. Uh, yeah, why don't you just share with us some of the statistics that have happened here. Just in the last few years, we collected some data. Yeah, what are I mean, those numbers? The, the
0: reality is, is again, we, we are not trying to make our name great. We're just trying yeah. to meet the need and the call that God has put on us for a church. And so when we have this desire to help other churches, it's coming from these churches coming and asking for help. Uh, which we consider a a great honor to be able to do that and so one of the ideas we had was we're we're doing this counseling and we began to offer free biblical counseling not just to our church but to anybody in the community well as other churches heard that they began sending people to us for help but then they began asking what goes into that and so we had a desire what if we could get a couple of churches to help us start to counsel in their local areas that would help us because it's becoming a little bit overwhelming and there's a shortage of need to help our helpers to to meet that need. And so uh, as of this fall, right now, we have two more uh, equipped to counsel classes where we just train uh, people from churches all over to understand what biblical counseling is and equip them to go back into their context and to come alongside that they've been made to minister um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word to come alongside those who are hurting. And uh, this fall in our two classes, which are about 80 people that are gonna be taking those classes, there's 19 different churches represented, which brings our grand total over the last several years that we've done that to uh, 64 churches throughout Oregon and Washington that have sent people here to be trained and then they're going back. And we have multiple churches now who've started their own biblical uh, counseling training centers. So they're doing counseling in their contacts up into the Southern Washington, down Corvallis and Albany out at the coast, um, in the Portland area. And so there, there's more places. So if you think about the multiplication, we just started to offer a class to try to train a few churches and now God's taking that out and it's starting to grow by that simple multiplication.
1: I just wanna hit pause there and, and let that soak for a minute. 65 churches have sent multiple people here I want you to think about this. If each of those churches could only minister to 10 people in their area, you still have at least 650 lives in the course of a year that are being impacted. That's way more than we can handle here at this church. Amen? Amen. That's a significant number, but they've had multiple people come from those churches and we have returned people. This would be the beautiful goal. What if all we were was the spark that caused multiple other great churches, maybe some that are even uh, far more resource than we are to take off and they begin training centers that really do begin to minister up and down the valley and in this area that many people in, in the United States think is really dark. But what if the point of the spear was reaching into a life that is so discouraged and so overwhelmed and so hopeless and with no strings attached without any finances added to it, you could bless them. How would that change the culture that we're in? Isn't that awesome? 65 churches. Now, one of the original statements was, man, what if we could reach 100 churches? And everyone was like, man, we better shoot for 10. Yeah. (laughs) Okay? Let's make that realistic. We we might already be at 100 churches by the time we launch anything here in three years. I mean, the Lord is really using this.
0: He is. And what's amazing, these are not just churches like us. These are churches from different denominations, you know, all over the area. And they're not coming to learn Salem Heights way. We're just showing them how we use God's word to help people. That's all we're doing. This is what God says. Yeah. These are His promises. This is what He's provided to you through Jesus Christ and the blood and the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're thankful for that. But it's not just in the biblical counseling. Yeah. Um, we've also seen a growing uh, opportunity to minister to those who are dealing with addiction and to offer them true freedom, victory, right? Not just yeah. to deal with their addiction and that is their identity, but actually been made, made new in Christ and they can walk in victory. And so again, we thought, how could we maybe get a few other churches to see some of these resources? Again, the churches are sending their folks. People are coming from our church here. Uh, These groups are growing tremendously. Well, to my knowledge, we're over 12 different churches um, in this area that have launched Most Excellent Way Ministries in their church, ministering to people. We've got uh, places all around the world, different countries that are uh, asking for materials. and, and. and so again, we're investing here, we're training, and we're sending back out so people can do that in their context and their place. And it's, it's incredible.
1: It's crazy how many states, when Matt starts talking about it, that, that they're in, how many different countries. It's been translated into multiple languages. Um, and I, I, do, I would have you guys pray for that team that does that. I mean, Matt is our Salem Heights version of Buddy the Elf, right? He needs 45 <laughs> minutes of sleep, and then he's building a rocking horse in the middle of the night out of... Yeah. Just the wood that he found around the building. He makes
0: work his favorite. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but there's a limit to what we can, what we can accomplish with uh, a few helpers. He, he's got so many wonderful people that have joined him in the work. Yeah. Uh, but there's a hunger for this, a real need around our nation, not just in our area. And it's exciting to see it grow. But
0: to see it grow locally first, because that was the first thing. Does this, does this work? Does this, yeah. Is this really what God does to help people be set free from addiction? Let's see it grow here first before we try to say, hey, it's available And it's over all all these churches in our area who are coming excited to come alongside those who are trapped in addiction and offer them the freedom that's in Christ. And then the third lane that we felt called to is just ministering to other churches, not as the experts, not as pastors that don't have our own burdens to carry and our own sheep to care for, but just in that one another care. How can we look around and say, how can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? How can we bless you? And uh, we've had, for a number of years, uh, a monthly prayer time where we meet with other pastors where yeah. the only part is not to talk about what we do at our church and swap stories. It's literally to talk about the Lord, what He's doing in us and how we can pray for each other. But right now, through God's goodness, the pastors of our church, just through relationships that God has providentially brought together, uh, we we're, we're have relationships with over 20 pastors in our area that we just get to talk with, pray with, do life with, and just encourage one another as they're managing the, the flock that God has given them as they're shepherding and leading them. And it's as much a benefit for us as it is for them, but God is opening up this opportunity for us to come come out and just say, how can we pray for you? And there's a unity building in the Bible teaching churches of Salem um, that, that God is, is going to use to continue to meet this area. And then it's gonna spread because that's what God does.
1: We had a list, so by God's grace, once again, uh, God brought uh, Steve Dengaren here, who's just a great organizer and energizer. And we were praying about this. How can we just be a blessing without pushing anything into people's lives? How can we encourage them? And we just were like, you know what? Let's just talk about, we're gonna get, get together in the word and pray over them this year. We're gonna pray that God would give us a, a, a direction and while we were praying, we just said, let's just send out the invitation and see who comes. We had 22 churches that were listed on there. and Let's just see what happens. And, and we were sitting literally in the room. He sends out the invitation uh, and we prayed just for a couple of minutes. And all of a sudden he's like, this is crazy. We had 19 responses, 19 responses. Now, I don't know how many of you have sent me an email. All right. But I will say, I'll get back to you within three to six months. All right, I try, but that's my worst form. They're literally right there, and and, uh, many pastors are similarly built, poor in that area, responding, hungry, wanting to be together, and we gathered together, and we did have that meeting, and the the prayer time was powerful, but these are people who I would say are far more skilled in leadership than I am, but we get to come and pray with them, encourage them, and say, man, just stay faithful where you're at. Faithfulness for a long time in a location is a lot better than moving with your best stuff for every three years.
0: And so we believe that God has been seeding this vision in the leaders of our church, but in order to discern, is this truly you, Lord? We continue to, in these little installments, continue to share the vision with our church and then step back and believing that if this is the Lord, our church is gonna begin to get excited about this vision, wanna participate in this vision, feel called to that vision. And that led us to this past spring 'm um, Sharing with you a, a plan, a plan to not only meet the growing needs within our church so that we can continue to allow people to draw near to god 's teaching and be part of this local church, but then to be able to uh, invest in a building that would give us more space to train and develop leaders who can minister in these ways in biblical counseling, addictions victory, and just the local care of the church and so Uh, We released and we announced to you this series called Ancient Wells New Seasons and over the last couple of months, in two week little increments, we've been talking about what does that mean? And uh, you started this off with a pretty important point to kind of help us start that series.
1: Yeah, we highlighted the idea that all forward momentum is tied to ancient truth. I want you to see a pattern that's even in scripture. We have a graphic here that somebody had done in interaction with a computer. I don't know if we can lower the lights a little bit. I don't know if you can see that that well. Along the bottom would be all of the chapters of the Bible. I don't know if you can tell where Psalm 150 is, that big line that's kind of going down the middle, if you can see it uh, in the centerpiece of that. But this is what's going on in this graphic. Um, At the very beginning, you have some statements that are made that get carried over and brought up multiple times throughout Scripture all the way as an overarching theme all the way to the end because God completes what he started. Amen? Amen? And all the way through the Scriptures, you have this interaction, forward statements saying this is what's going to happen. You see multiple fulfillments that land in that New Testament era where this prophecy is that that Jesus Christ would come, that there would be an answer, somebody who would bless the nations. But it's not finished. Those have promises that reach into the future. And you see some of these other statements that are looking back to something that was said uh, earlier and saying this is a fulfillment or this is an advancement of that idea. But the thing that you have to see it all the way through scripture is it's not just these little moments where something is fighting for importance. It's a grand story that's been woven together by the creator of the universe. God has a master plan. And I want you to understand this all we're trying to do as a church is make sure that we glorify the one who has a master plan we are not the plan okay amen goes there we're not the plan all we're trying to do is say lord god will you help us to brightly display your glory to focus on you in such a way uh, that others are pushed forward in their faith that they are drawn near that they drink deep and they share the overflow. That was the heart of that message, of that series. But we're not the point, God is the point. But we do get an opportunity, a unique opportunity to participate. You have on the stage here a well that some of our servants put together uh, that's uh, just a picture of that. And we wanted to to make sure that we use this imagery. When you have a well that is there, um, at the very beginning we had a picture of two different Uh, places where you could have water. One was just a watering hole that they had found uh, there in Africa where a tribe that had uh, an outbreak of disease was using. It was a place where their kids would come uh, to be able to drink, where their families would come and get their water for the needs for the day. But it was also where they led their flocks to come and drink. It was where many people that didn't have any facilities outside of that well, they would come there to bathe And uh, you had animals and creatures from all around the area that would also come to that. It was this muddy uh, location uh, where there was no um, safe water for any of them to drink. And what they did in order to make that safe, the well was already there, the water was already there. Scripture tells us that the living water right here is already available. The structure that we're adding, we're not creating the living water, all right? All we're doing is creating a structure so that it is more usable for the people that are around. It's less muddy when we're trying to share that with others. We're trying to make sure that there is a clean path for people to be able to drink deeply of the truth that is in Christ. We're not the truth. But what we're doing is we're creating a place, an organized way, and where we can make sure that that gets dispersed to anybody who has need. We're trying to make sure uh, that there is a well that would be available to all.
0: Yeah, and so our desire is to tend to this well, this church where living water has been springing forth for almost 75 years, where another church in town came and they dug a well here in this part of Salem to minister to this community. And so this well represents ancient faith. It represents a a legacy of faith where people were committed to the, the living water of God's word and wanted to have a place where people could draw near and drink deep from God's word and let that fill them up. Let that be the source of life. But the well also represents the fact that God continues to be providing the resources to bring that new life. And so he's calling on our generation to tend to that well so that we can continue to minister for generations. And so this morning we wanna share a passage of scripture with you as we close that we're gonna be spending uh, some time on this week and next week, where we believe all of these messages that we've been looking at over the last couple of years, these little installments where God has been moving us and we're leading you to be moved as well, all of these points kind of are summarized in this one passage we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 8.
1: Yeah, and we're doing something this morning I've been hesitant to read this passage because, uh, and I t- told you yeah. as I was growing up, I can remember a lot of fundraising preaching that would happen of this passage. And I believe in my own heart as I was growing up, it, it kind of got adulterated in that sense, pulled out of context and used as guilt. That's not what we want to do. Uh, but also this morning, for so- those of you that are clock watchers, uh, you might be aware that we're doing something that's become really popular in Hollywood. Uh, we're doing a part one and part two message. (laughs) And, uh, so we're just going to give you now the thumbnail of this expository piece where we're looking at a piece of scripture and we want you to see, just notice those four points that have been on our heart throughout this from different passages, just fall off the page as Pete reads this passage. I, I want you to sense that those things that we've been highlighting. Um, have always been God's heart whenever it comes to meeting needs in their context. So, yeah, yeah read that.
0: It says this in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that. According to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, so should he also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I am not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may turn in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much and the person who had little did not have too little.
1: What we'd have you do is just mark a couple things in here and notice this and in your own personal devotions this next week, I'd I'd have you just meditate on this. Uh, As you're in a small group or meeting with some friends, chew on these ideas, and in particular, uh, underline uh, verses eight, nine, and 10, and notice the heart of it, notice the desire that the apostle had for these folks and where it was born, what it was born out of. What we do want you to notice, um, here's this, this moment in 2 Corinthians eight and nine, uh, where the church is rising up because of something that was happening globally, and there was a local concern because of, of a global uh, situation. There was a famine that was happening globally and there were local uh, uh, needs that were not being met. And so even though this famine and some other concerns, uh, attack had happened for one church, they still said, please let us participate in helping alleviate the suffering uh, in another location. So a global concern with a local need. But the opportunity, Paul says, is a test. Look at this in verse eight. It says, I'm not saying this as a command. Boy, that'd be a great thing to underline. Um, Let me just comment on that. One of our deep desires, folks, is that you would not be guilted into doing anything. We need to serve God by the grace of God, moved by his spirit and energized to do what he calls us to do, Amen? amen? No arm twisting, no attack, no, hey, whatever you've decided between you and the Lord, let's double that. Whatever you decided between you and the Lord, do that, but no command is here. That's amazing. He's just saying, I just want you to sense what the Lord would have. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, get this word. I'm testing the genuineness of your love. The Apostle Paul is looking at a group of people and he says, you've said for the longest time, this is who you are. This is what you are about. Now, God's giving you an opportunity where he presses the button and says, hey, why don't you prove it? You say that you're about others. Here's a chance to prove it. The opportunity was a test. Mm -hmm. There's also the conviction, call, and desire that they had. It was already present. Look at verse 10. It says, in this matter, I am giving advice. Once again, not twisting your arm. I just want you to notice he says something because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but to want to do it. You could rephrase that in our situation. God's saying right now, hey, I want you to remember a couple of years ago, you began to say, this is what you want to do, and you began to do it. Many of you are here as a result of that sense of mission, Um, heading with a group of people that want to impact their community, not just gather on Sundays, which is awesome and glorious, Um, but have an opportunity to impact our neighborhoods and all of the hard to reach places that we can see day to day. And we had a hunger in our heart. We don't wanna just drive by folks and say, well, I hope somebody does something. We don't wanna just hear about a concern and say, man, I hope that happens. We not only desired to make a difference, but began to move that direction. And now God says, hey, you have an opportunity to advance that um, in a profound way. And then finally, the provision was possible because of God's grace. Verse nine there, it highlights the the reason for that. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. This is the ethic of the gospel. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. Notice at the very end, verses 14 and 15, it says, at the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need. This is how it works, in order that there may be equality. As it is written, and I want you to notice in your Bibles, we've highlighted this over and over again, uh, it's probably written in bold, or in many of them it will be indented. See, CSB here uh, just puts it in bold. It says that the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. It's telling you, you know the rest of the story. I'm just going to give you a quip. But what's the rest of the story? It's when the children of Israel were out in the desert, Okay? There was a hunger that was going throughout the camp and God provides manna. And what does he say? There are some people who who were infirm or unable and all they could do was go out there and and they could pick up a handful or two and that was supposed to sustain them for the day. There's another family that has five strapping boys, right? And all they wanna do is climb rocks and run everywhere and there's manna all over the place. And mom says, while you're out there, do something decent right? And they grabbed in all the manna that they could collect, but they could only keep what they could eat for the day. And the rest they were supposed to use to supply other people. So they would come back to the camp and those who had much, they counted it in cores at the time, five cores. You would share it with somebody who could only get a a quart of it. And you began to share, why? Because it was God's provision for everybody, but it should be your joy. If you had much to be able to share, and if you had little to participate with other people, the relationships you had in the camp would grow as a result. It's an Old Testament story. Once again, that picture that we had showing the connections. He's saying, you are in a season much like they were. Same type of provision. God has supplied all the needs. And he's saying, I want you to be able to consider how would you go about distributing that?
0: And so there's a a final thought that we wanted to share. It comes out of the next chapter. And and we're running um, at at the end of time here. We're a little over, but we wanted to make sure a couple of things that are just in our heart. First off, we're we're not ashamed to talk about the desire to advance, the desire to raise funds, the desire um, to accomplish a vision that God has given us because uh, the word of God speaks to this. We're just trying to be obedient to what he said, but we are very conscientious of how this can be, how this can feel. We wanna care for you well, but our heart's desire is so beautifully reflected here in chapter nine, verse five. He goes on to say this. He says, therefore, I consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion.
1: Yeah, I think the heart there that's on display is, uh, once again, we need to do what God has placed in our hearts. Uh, If God has said, man, I I want you to be a part of this, if he's already laid that on your heart, we need you to join us. Um, But what we do not wanna do is have this be a form of extortion. They're giving campaigns that we promised you at the beginning, we're gonna preach a couple times on it, and then our pattern is we don't pass a plate. There's uh, boxes on the wall, those who are stirred by the Spirit of God give. We're going to keep to that same plan. You've heard about it a couple of times, one more message next week, and we're going to celebrate what God does. Uh, But we're asking you as God's family to hear those things, to internalize those, and then do whatever you will. Not by extortion, but we're asking you to participate because we believe that God is in this. Uh, We have two things we're asking you to do. Pete keeps asking you to pull out your phones and sign up. This is one thing that I would have you consider. Uh, That day that we gather, you might be nervous about the location or about uh, an event or something like that. We want you as our family to be there. It's going to be a time of worship. It's going to be a time of prayer. We're also going to bring our gifts before the Lord. But if you are part of this family, if you're saying, man, I want to be a part of what is happening at Salem Heights, we want you there for that worship, praise, and prayer time. We want to ask God to bless uh, what he brings in.
0: Yeah, we, we understand that everyone's gonna be led differently and we are okay with that. But if this is your church family, you wanna be part of this church night together. And so we wanna invite you to do that and uh, encourage you again to register to that. But our desire is that everybody who calls Salem Heights Church their home would join us. Whether again, they're a part of a family, they're single, they're new to our church, and they just wanna come and see. No obligation, but we want you to come and be a part of that. I remember uh, the last time we had a campaign over 20 years ago, my wife and I were newly married. We did not have a lot of means, and yet we were still a part of that church. And it was part of the, the legacy of faith that we got to observe that's leading us now to be part of this next phase. And so that could be some of you in the room. So don't let whatever you feel like the Lord is calling you to do be the difference or be the reason why you come or don't come. Just come just come and participate as our church family. But we wanna be very clear on what we're asking as we conclude this morning. We are asking our Salem Heights Church family to sacrificially give a specific amount above their regular offering towards this building project spread out over the next three years. We're asking you to consider to help us be able to make some of the building come to life, to be able to have that space, to be able to fulfill these three gifts and to continue on our vision and mission as a church. I can tell you confidently this morning that every one of the pastors and elders has already committed to give sacrificially to this. We are not calling you to do something that we are not taking the first step to do. That being said, we have a team that's gonna manage the finances and the, the pastors will have no idea what you give. That will not impact how we minister and shepherd our church through this. We're asking you to give sacrificially to the Lord. We know that there might be some questions that you have. And so this afternoon at four o'clock in this room, we've set up a time to have our pastors and elders available for a family talk. We're gonna be answering some questions about this campaign. Um, And so you're welcome to attend. Uh, Bring your family if you'd like. Uh, But we'll be meeting here at four o'clock today. Uh, We will not be live streaming that talk, but there will um, most likely be a recording that if you're not able to make it this afternoon and wanna see how we answer some of those questions, we can send you the link later on. But we'd encourage you, if you have questions, come. If you don't have questions, we ask you to pray and pray how God would have you partner with us as we continue to effort to accomplish what he is calling us to do in this next season. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna conclude with a response in song and uh, see you guys next
1: week. Yeah, and and I would add this. So you showed up this morning and it's your first time at Salem Heights and you entered into our family meeting. Uh, We're not sorry about the topic, Uh, We really do believe God's calling us to do things. But it's possible that you're here today and you said, man, what I just need is actually for somebody to pray over me. I've got issues that are separate to all of these things. Uh, At the end of this service, after the song, we we would love for you to be able to come up. We would love to pray with you. If you don't know Christ and you are hungry to come here and respond to him, uh, we'll um, we'll help you meet our Savior. Uh, If you're just hurting because of decisions you made or things that have happened to you, we want to pray with you. We still want to, ministry is going to continue this morning. But for you, church family, we do feel there had to be a couple of moments where we paused. This is not our normal rhythm, uh, but it is something we wanted you to hear this morning. So take it to heart. Uh, We do want you to, with one heart, join us uh, in this endeavor. Pete. God, we just thank you this morning so much
0: for this opportunity to participate in what you're doing. God, there can be the sense of uh, anticipation, a sense of fear that could cause us to question what it is that you'd have us do. And so God, I pray for our church this morning that you would just protect us from warfare that would cause us to be critical or to be skeptical. But God, just move our church to respond to whatever it is you are calling us to do and god let us as the pastors and leaders of this church to lead humbly and god your plan is still coming to fruition And so whatever it is whatever changes or adaptations you need us to make help us to make those courageously to trust you in all things let our church come through this season with a story to tell of your continued goodness to us god whatever you do and continue to equip our church to meet the vision that you've called us to to not only be students of the word who who go to the living water for their own personal growth, but to be those who take that word to a lost and broken world who needs to hear about Jesus and his great love for them. God, thank you so much for growing our church. We're excited to meet the need. We ask now for your provision through your people. We pray this in your son's name.